All right, guys, let's get started. Welcome to our pre-VEIDO AMA, where I'll be answering all your questions about the IDO or anything else. It's been a while since we did an AMA, so a few things have happened in the meantime, so you might have other questions as well. Thanks everyone joining in on Twitter and on Discord. I'll be starting off by answering all the questions that are posted in our AMA questions channel in our Discord. And then uh, we can move on to Twitter, see if anyone has any questions there. All right, so let's get started. Um, first, we have One Step Ahead asks why we can't deposit USDC in the IDO. When will it be fixed? Before the IDO, I hope. Maybe you don't need more TVO. Um, let's see. So I I guess you're referring to the IDO. I'm not sure, like, maybe you're referring to the sole USDC pool because that pool is full and you can't deposit. Um, but just to answer both, the IDO hasn't started yet. That's why you can't deposit. Um, you will be able to deposit when we start, which is um, on the 23rd at checking my notes. Um, I think it's 15 o'clock UTC. Um, but yeah, we have the the time will show for you natively if you check our event in our Discord. Um, yeah, so that's why. <laughs> and uh, let's see. Oh, you amended your question. Cool. And the, yeah, the sole USDC pool is full because, um, yeah, because of our target liquidity, which is something you can read more about in part four of our tokenomics. Uh, right now, it basically just serves as a cap to the pool, but it will not uh, be for that purpose in the future. So yeah, just so you know. All right. And then you have a follow-up question. Can you explain the difference between the different flares? Uh, do they have different functionalities? Um, so the traits are basically purely aesthetic. They don't have any advantage over another in terms of like how much Lefinity tokens they're allocated, for example. So yeah, if you, yeah, it's purely aesthetic. So like in practice, even though it is purely aesthetic, you do see rarer flares tend to command higher prices in general. Um, so there is that to take into consideration, but yeah, otherwise all flares are equal. We are, um, what's the word, egalitarian <laughs> in our setup. Yeah. All right. Yeah, blob hair answering all the questions for me. <laughs> Shout out, Blob Hair always, always uh, filling us on Twitter. <laughs> All right, late to, yeah, I'll just say late asks, hi, can I ask a question through voice on AMA? Do I need to type the questions here? Um, it looks like you typed it, so I'm just gonna read that. From where I can get some audit performance of the team. I know I can see contract address and make some script to audit performance. Any third-party service which does this? So when you say audit the performance of the team, do you actually mean like the performance of our pools? 
because uh, you're talking about the contract address. Um, yeah, performance of the pools. Any third-party service that does this, right? Um, as far as I know, there isn't yet. Um, I mean, uh, Jupyter keeps track of how much volume we get on their platform. That might be about it so far. Uh, nothing else I'm aware of. Yeah, and like obviously that's something we definitely want to improve in the future, like provide more statistics because there's like so much we could provide on that front. <clears throat> and that'll be even more true when we launch our token and we have VE Lefinity. And so like, you know, people wonder like, okay, how much of the Lefinity token supply is locked right now, for example? And what's the like mean uh, lock period for all VE Lefinity and like all that stuff? And then for the pools, um, yeah, third party <clears throat> third party services having data on our pools would be cool. Although, like, I would guess that if a third party service integrated us, they're probably not going to like try to recalculate everything based on. Um, like the data on the blockchain, they're probably just going to look at the numbers on our website and and then just like reflect those in their um, on their site. I think that's what they do for everyone. Like they don't um, like try to calculate the trading performance um, from scratch. So yeah, at least that's my understanding. I could be wrong on that. I'm not sure. <clears throat> Anyhow, yeah, we would like to add a lot more visibility into statistics. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't a priority right now because we're still optimizing our decks. So that basically comes first. And yeah, once we've done most of what we can on that side, then we'd like to <clears throat> begin working on like improving our UI, improving stats, all that. All right, moving on to the next question. We have, uh, where am I? Okay, so One Step Ahead asks, one ten thousandth of 0.15%, is that the percent we get from holding flares? No, so the 0.15%, where is that coming from? I'm not sure where that's coming from, but um, so what you get as, so like a single flare, or actually I should say, so flares as a whole, they get 1% of the total Lefinity token supply. And then there's 10,000 flares. So each flare gets one ten thousandth of 1%. Hope that makes sense. All right. Next we have Cortez. Do we have a rough estimate on how much Lefinity we're getting per flare? Yes. Um, so the minimum is 100 Lefinity. And then it can be more than that um, because it depends on how many flares we've bought back and how many flares are listed on marketplaces. Or I guess to put it more simply, how many flares are staked in total? because only staked flares will receive Lefinity. 
So if you don't stake your flare, you won't receive anything. And so if they're listed on the marketplace or we bought them back, they won't be staked. And if people aren't paying attention, <laughs> they also won't be staked. So yeah, that can increase the amount of Lifinity you receive. All right. Alon asks, if we currently have LP tokens in some of the pools, as the protocol-owned liquidity increases and rewards go down, will we need to sell those and buy VE Lafinity? Or would there be any option to simply switch them somehow to VE Lafinity? Right. So once we have the program that will sell discounted Lafinity as VE Lafinity in exchange for your LP tokens. Um, yeah, one of the options you'll have is to trade your LP tokens for the VE Lafinity. Um, I guess you're asking if there's going to be like an automated option where, like, so this is something I've, I've thought about and asked the devs about. It would be really cool if, um, for example, you you can set like the discount at which you want your LP tokens to automatically be exchanged for VE Lifinity. Um, so say like you can program it so that when the discount on the VE Lifinity reaches 40%, then I want the program to um, trade my LP tokens for VE Lifinity. Like that'd be really cool because um, otherwise you might have to like constantly be watching until it reaches the point where you're satisfied to trade your LP tokens for the VE Lifinity. Um, so automating that would be great both for the users and also for the protocol because it probably means more people will um, trade their LP tokens for VE Lifinity. Um, and then, I mean, you, you mentioned also the... Uh, the APR for your LP tokens, basically, because as we uh, acquire more protocol and liquidity, then um, the share of trading fees that LPs receive will go down too. So if you could also choose based on that, I mean, well, now it's getting pretty complex. <laughs> if you're trying to uh, determine when to make that trade based on the APR and the discount on the V Lifinity. So not sure if that would work. Um, sounds pretty complex, but yeah, at least like based on the discount on V Lifinity, that'd be cool. Or, I mean, you're saying just on the APR alone. Um, I don't know, like to me, the more important part is the discount on the VE Lifinity. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe that's just my opinion, but that seems more important to me. Um, yeah. Anyhow, I think you get the idea. That's something we'd like to have in the future. I mean, right now we don't even have that program fully developed. So yeah, not, not something for the near future, but yeah, something we were certainly thinking about because it'd be really cool to have that. <clears throat> All right, let me take a sip. All right, uh, late follows up with a question. Will the fund be managed through a multisig? If yes, who will be the signee? So we don't really talk about our um, 
private key management practices because we don't really see that there's any advantage to explaining them except to basically give more insight to hackers. Um, yeah. Next question. Cortez says, will the final token price be determined by the amount of funds raised for the IDO or is it, is it at a set price from the start? So it is not at a set price. It is dependent on how much USDC is invested and also dependent on how long people choose to, to lock their tokens for. Um, the longer everyone locks their tokens for, the higher the starting price of the token. This is, it can be kind of counterintuitive because it's different than like the standard mango style IDO that people are probably uh, used to because um, a lot of Solana projects have used that model. And in those models, it's only dependent on how much USDC is raised. But for us, there's also the lock period to take into consideration. Um, so if you want to understand that better, you should check out part six of our tokenomics. We explain everything in detail. We also provide a spreadsheet that you can play around with. Um, just like input different numbers to see the different results of the IDO. Uh, yeah. All right, next we have Dioforce asks uh, about the recent announcement. I understand it's like this. Flares can lock or stake for one year. If you stake for one year, you gradually get Lefinity, but at a higher rate than locking because it accounts for flares that are locked, swept, listed, etc. If you lock your flare, you get one ten thousandth of upfront as for your locked VE Lefinity, enabling you to participate in protocol revenue. Yeah. I think that's correct. I'll just state it again for those who may have missed it. So there's two options. We Yesterday we announced that we're enabling this other option where... Um, so, so before we announced this option, what we were planning to do was enabling people to stake their flares, and then over the course of the year, they receive Lefinity tokens um, and it would be a linear release. So it's just like gradual trickle. And people could unstake their flares at any time. There's no locking. And uh, yeah, so the fewer people who stake, the more Lefinity each staker gets type of thing. But then we added this additional option where people could lock their flare for a whole year. So now they can't withdraw whenever they want. They have to lock it for a whole year. In exchange, they receive um, their allocation of Lefinity. So that'd be 100 Lefinity. They receive it upfront as four-year locked BE Lefinity. So basically the advantage of choosing this option is that you get um, your Lefinity as VE Lefinity quicker, which means you get um, earlier access to protocol revenue. And the downside is that um, your flare is locked for a whole year, whereas with staking, you could unstake whenever you want. 
And then also you're receiving four-year locked VE Lefinity instead of Lefinity. And so basically you have less optionality because Lefinity, you can always convert to four-year locked VE Lefinity whenever you want. But the opposite is not true. You have to wait for your VE Lefinity to unlock into Lefinity. So yeah, those are the two options. Um, I'm sure both will be used. Uh, with staking, you receive more Lefinity because of the uh, the people using this lock option, as well as um, the flares that we swept, and those are listed, and anyone else who doesn't stake. Um, but you're, if you're more into the protocol revenue side of things, then the locking option is probably better for you. So, yeah. Choose whichever is more suitable to you. All right, Late asks, how big is the team? How do you plan to hire more members? Any plans to move multi-chain? So currently we have four core team members, and you can see those in our uh, team channel in the Discord. And then we have a few like part-time helpers, um, and these people have the Burninator role in our Discord. <clears throat> um, and then, yes, so after our IDO, we do plan to expand the team. Um, how? Basically just like ask. <laughs> um, I mean, so I'm sure we'll ask our community to see if anyone's interested. Actually, we already know some people are interested. Um, and then maybe we will reach out to Solana. They have like a jobs board, I think. Um, use Twitter as well. I mean, like there's a lot of ways to um, find people who are wanting to work. And any plans to move multi-chain? So it's something we've considered. Um, it's definitely not straightforward. There's a lot of technical complexities to take into consideration. Perhaps the major one is, or maybe two. One is that on other chains, the block times are going to be slower than Solana, which means there's an increased risk of being front run. And in addition, Pith is currently only on Solana, so we would need some other Oracle. So then we also have to think about how fast is the Oracle. If the Oracle doesn't publish every block like um, Pith does on Solana, then, I mean, we would that would that would mean we were even slower than the block times of the uh, the chain itself. So like those are some considerations. And then also like you know we might have to build everything from scratch because um, the current program is written for Solana and you can't just port that over to a new chain. So like it would be a huge endeavor for sure. And uh, I mean yeah, it's not like something we're working on right now at all. Like you know, take it one step at a time. First, um, conquer Solana, and then uh, move on type of thing. So, yeah. All right, one step ahead asks, so we can stake flares straight at the 23rd. Um, so it'll be soon after the IDO. It won't be on the IDO date. But yeah, soon after the IDO. Cortez asks, will Ignite, Igniter holders get to participate in the IDO early? 
No, the uh, igniter LP passes and flare holders or anyone, no one gets any advantage in this IDEO. IDEO is free for all. So yeah, no early participants. Glue04 asks, if the 30 million USDC target is raised before the 24 hour window is up, will the IDEO finish early? Yes, it will. If so, does that mean it's possible large whales could buy up all the Lefinity at the start of the IDEO? Yes, that is possible. We think it's not likely. Um, I think people are especially thinking about this because of the recent Stargate um, event where Alameda bought the entire allocation. Um, but I mean, I, I don't think we're really comparable to them. Like for one, we were definitely not as hyped up as they were. Like they were much more well-known than we are. Um, and the other thing is they sold um, purely liquid tokens. Whereas for us, um, we're selling uh, vote escrow tokens, so there's a lockup inherent. And so, <laughs> like, if you understand the way, like, venture capitalists tend to think, um, they basically want to get in at a relatively cheaper price and then have as short a lockup as possible. And so, like, making a $30 million bet on a single protocol. Like, first of all, that's a giant bet size. <laughs> and uh, so you have to have like extreme confidence to make a bet of that size. <clears throat> like even if they were, even if like, like say we took VC money and project and uh, like VCs were investing in us in like early rounds, like none of them are gonna give us 30 million. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like way too large. Um, so anyways, like it's not impossible, but we think it's unlikely. So yeah, not too worried about that. All right. Hachi asks, recently someone posted the LinkedIn profiles of the founding team. Then all the team members decided to delete their LinkedIn profile. Why is that so? This action kind of hampers the trust factor of the prospective investors who are bringing their money without any sort of audits and code being closed source. Yes, so someone did find the LinkedIn profiles <laughs> of the uh, two of our founding members. And so actually we are, yeah, those profiles were created <clears throat> at the request of some VCs back in the day when we were still considering um, accepting money from VCs. And so they were just there and we had kind of forgotten about them. And so yeah, once we realized that those were still up, we turned them off um, or like made them private. And that's because we are a a non-team, as you know. I mean, this is nothing new. So once we realized that there was <laughs> information about some of us available, we 
um, made that private. Like, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, so basically what you're asking is, like, why are you anon? And this hampers the trust factor, as you say. Which, um, if you're not willing to invest in anon teams, like, that's fine. <clears throat> um, we think there is very little advantage to doxing ourselves. Um, it doesn't really accomplish much. I guess the thought behind it is usually if people dox themselves, then when they do scam you, it's easier to catch them because you know their faces and names and whatever. Um, and like, maybe that's partially true, but these things are also easy to fake. <laughs> so like, there's there's been plenty of people who have doxed themselves and still scammed. So like doxing is definitely not a perfect way to like determine what's a scam and what's not. And we, so like this question gets asked pretty frequently. So I refer people to this one post I made that explains why um, it doesn't really make sense for our project to scam. So to basically run through that logic again, let me take a sip. So <clears throat> back in December, we did our NFT sale. Of course, we were still Anon at the time, and our project was much less well-known. Um, we had our decks already up and running, but it was only, it was seeded with the team's money. But it, you know, it was working great. The the APR was um, like really high on this old USDC pool back then too. Um, anyways, we had this project going, and then we raised like two million worth of soul, fifteen k soul, from the sale of our NFTs, which is a lot of money, right? So like, if we wanted to scam, that was the timing. It would have been perfect. We weren't that well known. We just made easy twenty million or. $2 million. Um, <laughs> actually, maybe it was more back then because the sole price was much higher. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it, it was like perfect timing to um, scam. Like, you know, we would have made headlines for one day and then everyone would have forgotten about us. <laughs> uh, it's like just another, another NFT rug pull, you know, and it would have been super easy. But um, we didn't do that, obviously. And we continued to grow our project, our decks, that is. <clears throat> and uh, like now we're integrated with Jupiter. We're doing like really good volume. Um, all our pools are very profitable, like the best in the business, right? Like for each pool, like when impermanent loss is taken into consideration, um, these have the best APRs. Like you're, you, you can't find this anywhere else. And uh, so like... So, you know, you could say like, okay, maybe maybe you guys just didn't rug pull the NFT so that five months later you could um, do this this rug pull for the IDO. So instead of taking the two million, it was just a huge setup for a 30 million rug pull. <laughs> like, like, I don't know, like maybe you disagree, but for me, like that's like the dumbest thing because um, first of all, like two million, 30 million, it's not a huge difference like there's a limit to like how much money you can utilize and like 
for the vast majority of people, like the, the difference between uh, owning 2 million and 30 million is not that large. Like 100K to 2 million, okay, like that's a huge difference. But like once once you have a million, you know, like that's a lot of money. Like there's not too much more you can do when you have extra millions. And plus like we put in like this tons of work over these five months, building our decks, um, creating our tokenomics, building our community. Um, like we did all this stuff, right? <laughs> and if that was all just to get like um, more millions of dollars when we could have so easily just taken the two million, I don't know. Like to me, it just makes zero sense. So anyways, <laughs> there's my rant on why it doesn't make sense for us to rug really. Um, yeah. And so the LinkedIn profiles. Yeah. I mean, there's just like really no reason for us to put up the LinkedIn profiles. We only put it up because some VC asked us to, and then, uh, we forgot about it and then someone found it. So then we made it private. Um, we care about remaining anonymous. Um, and actually there are advantages for you as an investor for the founders to remain anonymous. If the founders are doxxed, that means people can find you more easily. And that also means that your founders are at higher risk for, for example, the $5 wrench attack, where basically people threaten you with physical violence and uh, steal funds that way. Um, and because the team is custodying the funds raised in the IDO, if they're at higher risk of the $5 wrench attack, that means your investment is at higher risk for that too. And so like um, being doxxed is not like, it's not at all obvious that that's a good thing, even for investors. Like it seems like it's only especially useful when you're very concerned that something is gonna be a rug pull because yeah, then um, like perhaps you can be more confident that um, like the authorities will have an easier time finding them after they rug pull if they do. But yeah, it's not really the case for us, I think. I mean, just look at um, our history and we don't really fit the typical bill of what a rug pull looks like. Yeah, also like look at our marketing. Do we look like a rug pull? Like we're such a low hype project. If we wanted to just, and like our IDO is capped. <laughs> Everything we're doing is just, it doesn't really look like a, like what a, what a straight up rug pull would do. Um, at least that's my opinion. Anyhow, I've talked about this long enough. So, I'm going to move on. All right, Dioforce asks, is there a rough timetable or at least a speculation as to when Lefinity protocol-owned liquidity will render LP providers more or less obsolete? It'd be nice to know when it's optimal for us to convert our LP to discounted Lefinity. All right, so first part of the question, LP providers becoming obsolete. I don't think this will happen because the thing is we're gonna constantly add new pools. And each time we add a new pool, it starts with zero protocol on liquidity, which means it's going to start out with only liquidity providers is liquidity. 
And then we gradually sell Lefinity tokens as VE Lefinity for the LP tokens. And so the protocol own, li own liquidity of that pool will gradually increase. Um, so it's a constant process of um, like adding a new pool, starting out with liquidity providers, and then gradually acquiring liquidity, and then uh, LP providers gradually get disincentivized. So they begin withdrawing their liquidity or converting it to VE Lefinity. <clears throat> and yeah, so yeah, they, they'll never become obsolete per se. They always have a role when we spin up a new pool. And then it'd be nice to know when it's optimal to convert LP tokens to discounted Lefinity. Um, that is something that doesn't really have a mathematical answer because um, uh, like, so one thing with LP tokens is <clears throat> they have their, their like dollar value based on the assets they contain, but they also have optionality of, um, you can always withdraw your LP tokens into the assets. And Lefinity, because you're buying it at a discount, it's like the face dollar value of it increases when you can when you convert your LP tokens to the Lefinity. But because you're buying VE Lefinity, actually, you're buying the discounted Lefinity uh, and then locking it. So it's like, how do you assign a dollar value to the locking component? And that's a time component. And so it really depends on your time preference. And this is a subjective thing. So it's going to different. It's going to be different for each person. Um, so yeah, you can't really calculate it really. <laughs> so no one can tell you what's optimal. Um, that's something each person will have to figure out for themselves. All right, Glue04 asks, how will the four-year VE Lefinity unlock work? So once you receive VE Lefinity, regardless of whether that's locked for four years or shorter, um, you can go to our rewards page, and then you can click on the Start Unlocking button, and then that will begin unlocking your VE Lefinity. And then when it's unlocking... The VE Lefinity will decay over time, so its balance will gradually decrease. And at the same time, your locked Lefinity will gradually begin to unlock. And so um, as the VE Lefinity is decaying, you can withdraw portions of your locked Lefinity uh, if you want to. And uh, yeah, that's how it works. <clears throat> and follow-up question. Or wait. Yeah, okay. Farm61 asks, will there be an exchange slash market to purchase VE Lefinity slash Lefinity post IDO? Yeah, so for Lefinity, we're going to spin up a Lefinity USDC pool on our platform. So that'll be the market for that. And then uh, for VE Lefinity, well, VE Lefinity is not a transferable token, so it cannot be traded. But four-year locked VE Lefinity can be converted to X Lefinity on a one-to-one -one basis, back and forth. And we will create a X Lefinity USDC 
serum market. Um, so yeah, there you will be able to buy and sell Excel Affinity. All right, one step ahead. Thanks for the answer. Also, if 30 million USDC is raised, did you calculate approximately how long it will take to own your liquidity? Um, not sure what you mean. So like if we raise 30 million USDC, about 80% of that is going to be protocol owned liquidity and we're gonna deposit it in our pools. So yeah, it happens immediately basically. Um, it'll take some time to be able to fully deploy all the liquidity. Um, adding new pools isn't trivial. Requires some testing and stuff. So, yeah, that'll take some time. But, yeah, the owning the liquidity part, that will be immediate. <laughs> right, Late asks, how much is the team money currently in? And how much is the sale of NFT did we raise? Hmm, not sure what you're asking about team money. We didn't make any money from anything so far, if that's what you're asking. Uh, the sale of the NFT raised 15K soul. And that's all in our liquidity pools right now. And now it's much more than 15K soul, partially because we sold um, a lot of the soul, while it was higher in price, like 170 or 80 dollars, uh, so we could get USDC to pair it with, to so we could trade with it, um, and then also because we earned a bunch of revenue, market making, and from royalties which we reinvested into the pools. So yeah, now there's a lot more soul, but yeah. And they say, I checked the contract address TVL. Looks like 3.8 million total. Can you give some current treasury breakdown? Um, let's see. Let me pull up the uh, our pools page. Uh, you maybe you can't see this in the recording, but um, okay. So, so one thing, we have the UXD USDC pool. This is fully funded by the UXD team. So that is not our liquidity. Then uh, USDT, USDC, and USD, USDC, that is um, Flares' liquidity, I believe. Um, actually, hold on. Someone asked this before, and uh, I did post a breakdown somewhere. See if I can find it. Um, let's see. Okay. Hmm. Where was it? Uh, I know I posted it somewhere.
Um, okay, I'm going to try to look for it one more time. Let's see. Ah, here we go, here we go. All right, so current breakdown. We have Soul US. So this is um, from five days ago, so maybe it's slightly different, but this is approximately correct. So Soul USDC, 1.2 million. Soul USDT, uh, 200K. Soul UST, 100K. BTC USDC, 200K. <clears throat> ETH USDC, 100K. Ray USDC 100k, USDC USDT 100k. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, so <clears throat> there you have it. <clears throat> uh, let me find my place. Uh, where am I? Okay. Yeah, so that's the breakdown of the flares' liquidity. <clears throat> um, technically, we don't call that the treasury. The treasury will be the uh, the Lifinity, the fifty nine percent of Lifinity that will be owned by the the DAO, basically, the Lifinity DAO, the VE Lifinity holders. All right, and then your next question. How also accounting works between team fund and community treasury? Yeah, so what is the team fund you're referring to? Do you mean the portion of the ideal funds that goes to the team? Like basically we just use that as like salaries and expanding the team and like all that. And then the community treasury is Lifinity tokens. The team fund is USDC. The community treasury is Lifinity tokens. And the way we use that, um, we talk about it in, um, I mean, basically the only use of it, the only planned use of it right now is to sell it as VE Lifinity at a discount or LP tokens to grow our protocol own liquidity. That's the only planned use. And I'm asking you guys seeded initial capital. Yeah, so we didn't raise any um seed money if that's what you mean so like this is the first raise we're doing <clears throat> this idea um yeah i hope that answers your question if not you can follow up one step ahead you got a lot more to win with your system than doing a scam exactly <laughs> exactly late what is the team vision where do you see Lifinity after two years in terms of turnover, treasury, etc.? Um, our vision, huh? <laughs> I mean, basically, we just want to increase liquidity on all the pairs, trading pairs that we can, <clears throat> and generate a profit in the process. Um, I mean, I mean, you know, basically what we're doing right now, just adding more and more pools, adding deeper liquidity. Um, that is basically like the short-term vision. Uh, you ask two years. <laughs> I 
I think two years is a little too far out to really project anything. Um, we'll probably do some pivoting in that time span, right? Uh, so like, uh, yeah, our short-term plan is like everything laid out in our tokenomics, like building out that infrastructure and um, yeah, like increasing the number of pools and the amount of assets that we have. Um, and then beyond that, like we have some ideas, but like we're, they're not like set in stone. Like we need to be agile, flexible. So like no point in announcing them if we're not like set on doing them. So yeah, like we're thinking about stuff, but <clears throat> Yeah, two years is a little bit far out. <laughs> Gaius asks, in the event the amount raised would disappoint somewhat, would the project be in serious trouble or would it just mean slower growth? Yeah, so like if it's super low, um, we could be in trouble. Because um, like this is basically how we're funding our team, right? Um, we're not raising from VCs, so this is our way of, uh, funding our team. And yeah, if that's like extremely low, then, um, we could be in trouble. But yeah, that seems unlikely. Like, like say we, we just raised 1 million in total. That seems like an unlikely outcome. So we're not too worried about it. But yeah, that would be problematic. Hachi asks, any plans to open source the code base of your system? Any timeline on this? Uh, yes. If you look on our roadmap, that's in part six of our tokenomics, <clears throat> we uh, include getting an audit and then open sourcing after that. We think it's important to get an audit before we open source because otherwise <coughs> you're basically just um, opening yourself up to an increased likelihood of getting hacked. Um, I mean, we like open source for sure, right? But there's a time and a place for everything. And uh, if you're familiar with the, um, the Casio hack, they were open source. I think, yeah. <coughs> Which, I mean, definitely contributes to that, right? If you're open source, it's much easier to find ways to hack your code. Um, and so, like, open source, you know, it sounds great. And, you know, in many ways, it is great. Like, when things are open source, it leads to more innovation in general. So that's great. But if you... <laughs> open source before getting audited, before you're highly confident that your code cannot get act, then uh, yeah, it's, you're just adding risk for no or very little additional benefit. Any plans to bring Seifu funds on Lefinity in case there's something wild happens and LP pools in turn, investors lose all the money. So I guess you mean like an insurance fund? Um, so the thing about an insurance fund is basically it would be idle capital 
used very inefficiently. So just like to give a hypo hypothetical example, say we like, so we're using 80% of the IDEO funds to, um, as protocol owned liquidity to seed our liquidity pools. Um, but say we used half of that as an insurance fund. So in case the other half just all disappears somehow, then we have the insurance fund. I'm not sure this makes a lot of sense because, okay, now you have half your capital just like sitting there, not really doing anything when it could be earning more. I mean, so like, yeah, in case the hack happens, you have half the money left to, I don't know, restart. Um, but I mean, like you still lost half the money. Like it's still like a a critical event, right? So yeah, I, I don't think it makes much sense. Um, <laughs> it's also like non-trivial, like, okay, how much should the insurance fund be? Like if you lose half, if you lose your pooled assets, um, like the price of Lefinity is gonna go down, right? It doesn't matter if you have an insurance fund or not, it's still gonna decrease. <clears throat> So it's not really clear to me like what purpose that would serve. Um, yeah. Yeah, hope that makes sense. Uh, wait, did you have a follow-up question? No, okay. Hachi also asks, also how do you decide the target liquidity for any pool? Like right now, if you are able to raise 30 million, then how would you decide the target liquidity for all the pools on Lifinity? So the target liquidity is something the team chooses. And um, so conceptually, I don't know if you read part four of our tokenomics, where we talk about like what the target liquidity is supposed to be. It's basically the point at which the trading fees earned per LP token is maximized. Um, so it's the point at which we can maximally utilize the liquidity most efficiently. And if we have less or more liquidity than that target liquidity, <clears throat> uh, if we have less than it, then we could increase our APR by adding more liquidity. And if we have more than it, then our APR will start to decrease, basically. Um, the question is, how do you, yeah, like you say, how do you find those target liquidities? Um, unfortunately, it can't be mathematically deduced. Um, it has to be found empirically. And so the team does this based on um, how much volume there is, how much competition there is for a given trading pair, um, how reliable the Pith Oracle is for a trading pair, um, various factors like this. <clears throat> um, and yeah, it, it, like I said, it's an empirical thing. You can't calculate it. And so it's something that has to be adjusted as well with time because the conditions are always changing, right? Like how much volume and how strong the competition is and all this stuff. So, I mean, there's no like simple answer to this really. Basically, the team just tries to optimize it based on these various factors that influence it. 
um, which may be a unsatisfactory answer because <laughs> it's kind of vague, but um, yeah, it's kind of in the nature of the problem, so. All right. <clears throat> Dioforce says, yeah, I guess I just don't quite grasp it all yet. How does Lefinity gain more protocol-owned liquidity in a pool that consists mostly of LP tokens? Um, okay, so I'll give you a, uh, a simplified example. So say we have a pool, starts out with zero liquidity. It's a new pool. Now, liquidity providers start adding liquidity because they know that Lifinity generates high APRs um, while mitigating or even reversing impermanent loss. And let's say they reach like 90% of the target liquidity, which is quite high. Now the share of trading fees they're gonna be, get, be getting is like pretty low. Let's say it's like 10% now. And they're like, well, if I'm only getting 10% of the trading fees, it's no longer worth it for me. So a bunch of people are gonna be saying this, and then there's gonna be two types of LPs. One is just gonna be like, well, screw this, I'm done. I'm withdrawing my liquidity. And so they leave. And the other one is like, well, if I convert this to VE Lefinity, which has an average APR of whatever across all the pools it has, well, then it's actually a higher APR than um, the APR I'm currently getting from just these 10% trading fees. And I get the VE Lefinity at a discount, so there's also that. And so they're like, okay, I'm just going to trade my LP tokens for protocol-owned liquidity. So these two different types of people have two different effects. One is that the... Um, the total amount of liquidity in the pool goes down because the LPs leave, and that will increase the APR. The other one is uh, the LP is converted to POL, protocol and liquidity, and <clears throat> in that case, um, the total liquidity in the pool doesn't change, but um, the protocol earns more now because instead of just taking a portion from the LPs, it gets 100% of the trading fees from that portion of the liquidity, the protocol on liquidity. And so this process can repeat and LPs gradually convert their um, LP tokens to protocol on liquidity. Um, yeah, and then potentially, like, there's also bribes, right? So if there's bribes, then you might have people um, buying or creating LP tokens just to buy VE Lefinity. It's like they don't even care about providing liquidity for that pool. They're like, hey, look, this pool has the highest discount on VE Lefinity. So I'm going to create LP tokens for this pool and convert it to VE Lefinity because I want more VE Lefinity. And so that pool gets more liquidity and more protocol on liquidity. And so, yeah, with time, the LPs are gradually um, pushed out because they have an increasingly smaller incentive to 
um, keep providing liquidity because yeah, if there's too many people, the APR will just go down. All right. Rahul asks, any way to vet the market making APR you have realized till now? Uh, there is, but because everything is on chain, right? Like you can check, you can, um, you can add up all our trades and see whether the APR we are um, displaying on our website is actually accurate or not. But I mean, not everyone can do that, obviously. Um, I don't know if anyone's actually doing that. I mean, like, I don't know if anyone's doing that for any, any decks. <laughs> like, does anyone do that for radium? I don't know. Not that I know of. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That'd be cool to have though. Um, I mean, like, understandably, I guess people are skeptical of our APRs without any liquidity mining. <laughs> Like, because it's so different than other DEXs where, like, we're just making profit from trading rather than distributing tokens. But, yeah, it is all on chain. So, like, technically, yes. But, like, like me personally, I couldn't do it. Um, but, yeah, it'd be cool if there was some app that did that for us. All right, Dominic asks, hello on iPad with Chrome, ido.lifinity.io does not open the Phantom app and said, wallet not ready, any idea? Yeah, so I actually saw your question on Twitter and I replied and hey, now you're here in Discord. Glad to see you join. Um, so this is probably not a question suited for an AMA. Uh, I actually responded and said, our team has tried it and it does work for us. So it might be like a problem specific to you. Um, so we can talk about that later. Maybe you can um, post in the support channel and then we can talk about it there. One step ahead, they're pretty sure about their product. I mean, look about the infographics. We'll stay on Uniswap V2 fork after that. Yeah, I guess the one reason to stay on a Uniswap V2 model DEX is uh, if they have really high um, liquidity mining rewards, then it can make up for the impermanent loss. <clears throat> but yeah, liquidity mining rewards don't last forever. So long term, yeah. Big Bang says, do you believe AMMs to be a winner take most market? If Lefinity ends up with the largest market share, would you grow into more traditional banking financial services? What other ways can you scale this technology? Um, hmm. Is it a winner take most market? <clears throat> I mean, if you, uh, well, I guess if you look on Ethereum, I think that's probably true. I'm not sure. Uh, I think Uniswap and Curve have most of the volume, I think. Um, but that could be changing because Curve has V2 pools now. On Solana, 
we have Ethereum and Saber, I think, usually with the most volume. And then there's Radium and below that, I guess. It's not like it's not like super power law. Um like we have a bunch of volume, Orca has a bunch of volume, Crema has a bunch of volume, Sykira has a bunch of volume. Um I mean I guess yeah, we're earlier than Ethereum is, so I guess that's maybe understandable. Um and the thing is like uh <laughs> Like in the very, very long term, sure, it's probably winner take most. But yeah, I mean like there's still like many new mechanisms being developed, and we're an example of that, right? So <laughs> it's gonna take a while to get there. So I'm not sure if that framing is too useful yet. And uh I think Solana is a bit unique because it has Serum, and Serum is a new primitive where like, professional market makers can basically use their, their infrastructure that they use on centralized exchanges and basically just port it over to Serum. And it's in many ways the same. Like It's slower than on centralized exchanges and probably a little more expensive because they have to like pay to adjust their orders, their bids and asks. Um, <clears throat> but like their general market making logic, like strategy, I think they can keep it the same. So yeah, it's more competitive here for sure. But yeah, we're basically, what Lefinity does is like we borrow that that market making logic, which is like much more sophisticated than, you know, X times Y equals K or whatever. Like we borrow that intelligence through the Oracle, um, which is what's so great about our model. Um, yeah. And uh, actually we have a, an upcoming article, probably will be released today where we basically um, utilize one of the strategies that professional market makers themselves use, where they adjust their spread based on the current volatility in the market. More on that in the article, <laughs> something to look forward to. Um, yeah, all right, so next part of your question, if Lefinity ends up with the largest market share, would you grow into more traditional banking financial services? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that, that sounds like a massive pivot and undertaking. And like, I mean, personally, I don't want to do financial services. I mean, it's just a totally different thing than a DEX. I don't think it's really related at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're basically just a trading thing like a place to swap assets and financial services is like, I mean, now you're just adding on tons of things that we would have to build from scratch. And honestly is like kind of 
perpendicular to what we're doing. So, yeah, I don't think so. What other ways can you scale this technology? Yeah, I guess just wait for our article. That's one way, I guess. Um, yeah. All right. Rahul asks if target liquidity can can't be determined mathematically and has to be done empirically. How frequently do you see target liquidity changing for a pool? Um, I mean, I don't think that also can't really be determined mathematically because like I said, it's dependent on volume, which volume tends to be pretty correlated with um, market conditions um, or volatility, I guess. So, I mean, and we can't predict that, right? Like we don't know when markets are going up or down or when they're going to move a lot. Um, and then also on competition, like we don't know when there will be more or less competition. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't, it's not going to be changing like on a daily basis. Um, like to do that, we would need to do it like algorithmically, but we can't do that. So yeah, really hard to say, to be honest. Happy 420, Durden. Happy 420, Seth Kudabidi. <laughs> Rahul, how do you decide on what pools to add to the system? Are there any quantifiable criterias? Yeah, so one is they need a pith price feed. Um, that is what gives us our competitive edge. Um, that's one. And then how much volume does that pair tend to have? That will determine how differentiated the, the pair is from decentralized exchanges. So basically our advantage is that the, the price of the pith price feed moves faster than the prices on decentralized exchanges. Um, and so in that way, we're able to avoid impermanent loss and then also we have this buy low and sell high effect. And that's how we generate the market making profit. So that's dependent on how much volume there is. Um, those are probably the two main ones. Um, I guess also like we, we think about like if we're going to market make for an asset, that means we have to buy the asset. We have to own the asset. So it means we have price exposure to the asset. And I mean, this is really difficult because, you know, it's basically like saying you have to speculate on price. And that's not really what we're here to do. <laughs> we're not here to say like, okay, let's market make for this asset because we think this asset is going to go up. Like if we actually have that opinion, the what you should be doing is just buying that asset, right? Not trading it. Like if, if you're if you think it's gonna go up. And we like try to remain like neutral on those opinions. But I don't know, like maybe in some cases it'll be like very obvious that an asset is going to decline in price. And in that case, maybe we don't want to acquire liquidity for that asset. I don't know. Like we're we're not really into like long tail assets yet so um yeah it might be more of a 
future consideration, but yeah, that's also something maybe not too quantifi quantifiable, but yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Let me check Twitter. Oh, wow. A lot more people on Twitter. What's up, guys? Thanks for joining in. All right. Um, next question. Labeginho asks, hey, just wondering, the Oracle gives us an idea about the short-term price moves, but prevents the pool from being instantly arbitraged. But there are still people statistically arbitraging the pools, and we aren't really hedged to that. Is there any plan to also try to get slightly longer-term prediction slash Oracle to increase even further our AMM profits? So you like, <laughs> I mean, like TLDR, we aren't getting arbitraged because so, I mean, I'm going to simplify it, but basically we always quote the true price because we have the Oracle and in the vast majority of cases, the Oracle price moves ahead of the DEX price because most of the volume occurs um, on the centralized exchanges or wherever the Oracle is getting its price from. So like, so there are what you might quote call arbitrage trades where um, somebody trades, like somebody would like buy soul on radium and then sell it on Lefinity because um, radium is selling soul at a cheaper price than Lefinity is buying it at. And so they can make a profit. Now, yes, they are arbitraging. However, we don't care because this arbitrage is not causing us to incur impermanent loss. That's what sucks for radium, right? Radium is selling soul at too low a price. That's why they're getting screwed because they don't know the true price and it's through arbitrage that they determine um, or that their their pool balance moves to the true price but for us we don't need that um, the the price that we're um, buying the soul at is actually the true price so it's just another trade for us it's it's just another trade at the true price and so it's actually good for us because it basically just means more volume. Um, yeah, so it's it's not a problem for us. Hope that makes sense. Um, so there's really no need to hedge that. Yeah. Auto catalytics says love the flares idea. Hadn't seen that before. Cool innovation. Any concerns about me buying governance tokens post-IDO on the open market? Um, concerns. I mean, so I would recommend participating in the IDO um, because, so basically the Lefinity tokens, as they stand, they don't have any utility. They don't give you access to voting power or protocol revenue or bribes or anything. Uh, they're basically just a way to get in and out of the market if you want to increase or decrease your exposure to Lefinity. 
And the way to get the utility is to lock up the Lifinity for VE Lifinity, and then you can get protocol revenue and voting power and bribes. Um, but if you're going to get VE Lifinity, you might as well get it through the IDO because that means you'll be getting it at a discount. Whereas if you buy Lifinity on the market and then lock the tokens, you don't get a discount. Um, you're just buying it at market price. <clears throat> so yeah, from that perspective, it's definitely better to buy them in the IDO. Um, I would assume that anyone buying Lifinity tokens on the market is for the purpose of short-term speculation. So it's like they think the price is going to go up within the next, I don't know, 24 hours. So they buy them and then sell them a day later, something like that. But yeah. If that answers your question, Gin Billily says, is the volume on our pools page including Jupiter routed volumes? Yes, it is. So it's the sum of Jupiter volume and then also people trading directly with our decks. Probably some arbitragers um, do that. So yeah, it includes both. Glue04 asks, if 30 million is raised, would you still need LPs for the upcoming planned pools? For example, if you plan to open 30 pools with 1 million target each, would you need external LP providers? Um, let's see. So, I mean, you don't need LPs per se. I mean, I guess we wouldn't need LPs until we fill up all those pools with the 30 million, right? Um, and then once we run out of the 30 million, then uh, then when we open new pools, well, now we have no more USDC to use for them. So then those would start off with LPs liquidity. Um, yeah, continuing with your question. In this example, wouldn't the protocol-owned liquidity for these pools be 100% right off the bat? Yeah, they would be. I guess I don't quite understand what role the LPs play. Yeah, so for these pools, they don't play a role. Um, but yeah, we're going to continue adding pools over time. So it's basically for when we run out of the liquidity from the IDO. And then when we make a new pool, well, we don't have anything to add to it. And so that's where LPs can um, deposit their liquidity. To me, it would seem they would be needed if the protocol didn't have enough capital to fully fund all the pools planned. So to that point, are more pools planned in the short term than the protocol can fully fund on its own from the funds raised? Yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're going to um, keep adding pools over time, <clears throat> um, as especially as Pith adds more price feeds. So that's the plan. My Prasanna asks, how do you handle Oracle price manipulation? <clears throat> Lifinity needs to be much lower volume than the places where price is set. Otherwise, you can get sniped with a price manipulation attack. Does that make Lifinity, by definition, a niche player for any given coin? 
Um, so Oracle price manipulation. Basically, this is prevented by Pith itself. Um, this will especially be true when they uh, launch their token and then um, the the whole like price provision process is incentivized and uh, the data providers will need to stake their tokens um, and like that will ensure their honesty basically. Right now that is not in place. However, the data aggregation process <clears throat> basically ensures that this doesn't happen. Um, or actually, yeah, there's two things. So there's that, and then there's also the um, reputation part. So the aggregation process, it basically takes a sort of average in a special way. They have an article that explains their methodology. So you can check that out on their Medium. Um, so basically, if one, say like one data provider um, like provides false data, it'll basically get ignored because <clears throat> it doesn't match up with the other players. So then what if um, they happen to be the only data provider in a given slot? <clears throat> in that case, Pith just won't publish the data because it doesn't reach their minimum threshold. Uh, I think it's three data providers. <coughs> and uh, yeah, so we just won't do any trades on that slot. So basically what it requires is there to be um, very few data providers for a given slot, and then they need to collude. So they need to agree, like, hey, let's, let's post a false, let's post false data on these slots so that, I don't know, say like we can, we can uh, make a profitable trade on Lefinity, <laughs> something like that. So, I mean, that's not impossible, right? They could collude, but that seems highly unlikely <clears throat> because um, I think the reason, so like, first of all, these uh, data providers are like basically large TradFi institutions most of them, or they're like trading firms, market makers, stuff like that. And uh, I think they joined Pith because they know that in the future, they're going to be able to earn revenue from providing data. Um, <laughs> I would be shocked if these TradFi institutions colluded for just a one-time event to um, make a few trades um, <laughs> and like make some money off of a few trades because they manipulated the price data, entirely ruining their reputation. Probably not just in crypto, but like for everything else too. Like, uh, yeah, like, it, you know, and like they're not gonna make a shit ton of money. Like crypto, like the TVL and stuff, like it's tiny, right? Like they don't they don't care about making one million dollars if that's gonna ruin their reputation. Like um if they if they provide honest data for Pith, um, especially once their token and um the staking mechanism and all that goes live, like they're gonna have a, a steady stream of income from providing that data.
Um, so yeah, I don't see why they wouldn't prefer that. Like the collusion route just doesn't make much sense. And yeah, all the data providers are like highly reputable in the Tradify space. So like even more so. Yeah, hope that makes sense. Let's see. Yeah, I didn't really understand your second part of your question about like Quinn being niche or whatever. Anyways, you wrote a follow-up. You say, a simpler Oracle price manipulation just involves buying up the coin. Like for example, let's say there's a thin tail coin soul market in FTX and a thick tail coin soul market in Lifinity. I can just run up the price of tail coin on, in FTX on low volume. And I can just sell in Lifinity a higher, higher volume. So basically this won't happen because I'm pretty sure we will always have less liquidity than on FTX. Because um, basically we're getting our price feed from FTX and those sorts of markets, right? So if FTX has like, or if we concentrated harder than at FTX, like everyone's going to stop trading at FTX. Um, and they're going to start trading on Lifinity because there's more liquidity there. And that basically means we're just going to eat a ton of impermanent loss. Now we're like the constant product DEX, sort of, because um, we're the place of price discovery, even though like we're actually not. It doesn't make sense because like we're basing our price on the lower liquidity market. And so... Yeah, I mean, all that to say, like, we're not going to do that um, because, yeah, the point is FTX is the place of price discovery and we're relying on that price discovery. And that means we can't have more liquidity than them because then it'll stop being the place of price discovery and then we're just going to screw ourselves. Yeah, OK. Makes sense. Thanks. Yeah, OK, cool. All right, Binox says, technically has a team engaged with the RPC provider to ensure that we don't have a shitty IDO experience. For example, Genesis Go to ensure things are smooth. Um, I actually haven't talked to Luffy about that, but like, I'm not worried. I think for our IDO, I mean, our NFT sale, we use Genesis Go and yeah, super smooth. Um, I, I'm not sure what we're using right now. I mean, like last time I checked, was which was a long time ago, it was Genesis Go, so it might still be. I'm not sure. But yeah, like our NFT sale was silky smooth. Although I guess we didn't have like insane instant volume like some NFTs do. <laughs> like we weren't a 10 second sellout. We were a two hour sellout, so it's probably different. But yeah, um, I mean, we definitely think... Like we're aware that like there could be a ton of volume, especially at the very start of our idea. So yeah, we we do want to make sure that things do go smoothly. So we will beef up our servers and stuff. <clears throat> All right, Dingy Treant asks, have you guys ever considered liquidity removing other pools? If there's a big trade through originating on your exchange, 
Any thoughts on balancing the pool by removing other pools that haven't adjusted their price yet? I'm not sure what you're asking. Um, you might have to rephrase for me. I'm not quite <laughs> following the question. But to read the second part, have you guys considered implementing dynamic fees to quote tighter to trade more during times of likely softer flow and quote wider during times where there's a lot of adverse selection from toxic flow? So actually, uh, if you heard me mention this like 15 minutes earlier or something, we are going to release an article on adjusting our fees based on volatility soon. So hopefully today. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, and how have you guys adjusted for this low PPS environment? Any special magic with retries or RPC providers? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, no retry logic yet. I just saw today, uh, which project was it? Was it Soland? Some project announced that they implemented retries. And that sounds like a good idea. Um, definitely improves the user experience, I'd imagine. Um, no one likes to have to manually retry their um, transactions. So yeah. On the other hand, like Solana actually is improving like the like the the low TPS problem. Um, implementing the quick. And I think one more other thing I forgot. But yeah, so I think it should be a solved problem with time. So yeah, it's also like not our highest priority because we don't think it'll be a persistent problem. But yeah. Um, all right, so you, you clarified your first question. Add automated taker logic into the pool. Automated taker logic. So you mean, oh yeah, to ARB other pools, right? Yeah, so the thing is like, at the beginning, we actually did some of this ourselves. Um, we did perform arbitrage against our own pools. Um, but now there's like a bunch of bots that do that. So there's really no need for us to do it. Um, yeah. We just leave it to the arbitragers, basically. And yeah, they create a decent amount of volume. It's basically the the trade example I was giving earlier of like like us trading against uh, radium or arbitragers arbing radium and us. But like we're not really getting arbed because we're just trading at the true oracle price. So it's not a problem. It's just it just increases our volume, which is a good thing. All right, uh, I think I answered all your questions. Let me know if I missed something. Hachi asks, as we know, major volumes only come on ETHLAND and AVAX. Don't you think being on Solana is actually making Lefinity capping its growth? Uh, is that true? <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Um, especially like the great thing about Solana is um, some of the infrastructure like Serum and also like Mango and Drift, like you can just do perps and uh, 
other probably like options and stuff too. Like you can do so much more on Lifinity because of the um, cheapness and the speed of the the chain enables you to like create better infrastructure. Um, yeah, so like I think that type of trading is definitely increasing on Solana. And uh, like NFTs are kicking ass on Solana, I think. And then maybe the spot trading volume. Yeah, maybe Solana is lagging in terms of that. Um, but like that, I mean, it seems like it'll increase with time. It's kind of like a... So like, I mean, there's two maybe like large sectors. There's like whales and then there's retail. <laughs> yeah, to make it very simple. Um, whales might be hesitant to use Solana because of security concerns. Like they just want to optimize for their security. So they choose some more well-established chain, even though it costs more to trade there, but it's like peanuts to them, so they don't care. Now that'll change over time because like the more Solana's around, the more Lindy it becomes, the more the same it looks as other chains in terms of its security. <clears throat> and then, uh, and then like, I mean, its UX is like way better. So, so eventually like the UX might, and maybe the cheapness too, might be factors that like draw whales. And then for the retail, like, I mean, they're the ones who just care about speed and um, cheapness. So they will, I mean, I think increasingly come to Solana. Like my my gut take is, there's very few people switching from Solana to Ethereum. There are people switching from Ethereum to Solana. Um, so yeah. Yeah, like UX is really important, I think. Um, and like right now, it probably doesn't, feel like it much because it's a it's a relatively bearish market so like you're not seeing huge inflows of new people but when you do start to see them um i think more and more will come to solana <laughs> so yeah i mean i'm not worried about it <clears throat> metaverse explorer ask easy question how long till the meme video contest finishes um, well, it's one week from when we announced it, whenever that date was. So you can check in the announcements. I'm not sure which day that was. I think it's Monday. Yeah. That's right, guys. We have a meme and video contest. Actually, a meme and educational content contest. Can be in any form. Um, the prizes, one is a number 30 rank lair, which is very rare. And uh, the other one is a mid rarity lair. Um, anyways, I mean, which is like a lot of money, right? Even the worst player is worth more than eight soul right now. So um, yeah, make those submissions. We want the dank memes. We want the viral educational content. 
feel like we've been lacking in the memory. So, um, yeah, there haven't been too many submissions so far. So, like, you know, there's a there's a good chance that you could win. Impress me. Show me what you've got. And Metaverse Explorer says, we'll get his submission today. Let's fucking go. <laughs> yes, Metaverse Explorer <laughs> knows his Rick and Morty. <laughs> All right, Hachi asks, when Lefinity becomes a DAO and who will control the funds? So DAO is a, <laughs> a vague term. There's, there's definitely degrees, right? Um, it's like it's a question of like how de decentralized is your DAO, and this will de definitely be a gradual process. Um, we explain our thinking around governance and part five of our tokenomics. The TLDR of it is: um, in practice, we see that most people do not participate in governments because they just don't care enough. And governance actually takes work. You have to um, actually study to get an informed opinion and make good decisions. And people tend to not want to do that unless there's some incentive involved. <laughs> so for us, we're basically going to limit... Or so the team will decide what will be voted on and what won't. And the, the things we plan to put up for a vote are everything involving money. So especially that means how we use the Lefinity tokens in the treasury. That's the things we want to put up for a vote because that involves... Um, money, and we think people care about that. Then other things like, okay, what should the rebalancing factor for this pool be? Or what should the concentration be? Or what new pool should we add? These are things we don't plan to vote on. One, because people are not informed. Um, and two, people don't care enough. So yeah, basically voting only for the things that are really necessary and people care about. Uh, Metaverse Explorer says, has anyone asked about team expansion? It's probably not required at the moment because they seem to be shipping at a good pace. Yeah, so we do plan to expand the team. I think we mentioned that in part six of our tokenomics. Um, that'll be after our IDO. Um, yeah, I think mainly we'll be looking to add some more devs. And uh, yeah, depending on how crazy things get in the Discord. Maybe some more um, community manager types. Um, what else? Maybe some other roles that I'm not thinking of right now, but yeah, we are looking to expand the team. Boom. We've reached the end of the questions. Let's see. Does anyone on Twitter have any questions? Uh, you can raise your hand and I can bring you on stage. <sighs> Metaverse Explorer, last question. What new NFT should I be minting? Definitely the wrong question to be asking here. <laughs> Give me financial advice. You should mint VE Lefinity. <laughs> no, no financial advice for you, sir. 
Um, cool. No questions on the Twitter. Technically, VE Lafinity is an NFT, right? Uh, no, because it will not show up in the NFT section of your Phantom wallet. Um, I mean, if you mean in the sense that like every VE Lafinity is different because it depends on the lock time, in that sense, yeah, kind of. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll be doing another AMA. Uh, right before the idea. So, yeah, no need to prolong this one, I guess. Um, unless one step ahead has a question, a typing. Explain quickly what VE Lafinity is. <laughs> so, VE Lafinity is locked Lafinity. You can choose to lock your Lafinity tokens for anywhere from one week to four years. And the longer you lock, the more VE Lafinity you receive. Uh, once you receive your VE Lafinity, you can begin to unlock it. Um, then it'll gradually begin to decay and your Lafinity tokens will gradually unlock. And VE Lafinity is what grants you access to protocol revenue and voting power and bribes. There you have it. <laughs> um, one step ahead, and we can swap it to Lafinity. No, you cannot. So that I mean, that's what the locking means. Locking means um, you have to wait for the lock period for your Lafinity to unlock. But unlike some other VE tokens, where all your tokens unlock at the very end. With us, your Lafinity tokens unlock gradually. Anyways, you should read part two of our tokenomics because it explains everything in full detail. And it has graphics that explain it. Um, so yeah, the visuals will probably be helpful. So yeah, check that out. Uh, Metaverse Explorer, I'm worried about the first come first serve for VE Lafinity. Have you guys noticed or been approached for special allocations or for you to purchase some for a singular party? I mean, kind of. Some people have asked about that. Like, hey, we want to form a group and buy like a shit ton of VE Lafinity or invest like a shit ton of USDC. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we, we haven't said yes to anything. I mean, we're not going to privilege any individuals. <clears throat> so yeah, it is simply first come, first serve. Can V Lifinity be sold or bought? Do we really have the tokens in our wallets or stored by the team until unlock? So it's neither. Um, so you can't sell or buy because you can't transfer VE Lifinity. Basically, VE Lafinity is like a property of your wallet, basically. It's not a token like the way you normally think about it. So you don't have the tokens, but the team doesn't either. It's more like a number associated with your wallet. <clears throat> um, and that's, that's why you can't transfer it. It's a property of your wallet, and you can't transfer your wallet. <laughs> so, yeah. Does that make sense? 
But yeah, you can also think about it as Metaverse Explorer says, so the Lefinity tokens are locked by the contract and then vested over time if you put your V Lefinity into the unlocking state. Yeah, part two of the tokenomics, one step ahead. You can find it in uh, the resources channel. Hachi asks, from which point would you decide first come, first serve? Um, when the IDO starts. Like if I am right, I can deposit my USDC right now as well. Yeah, so it's not open right now. Um, it'll open at the time we mentioned. I think it's 15 o'clock UTC. But um, yeah, Metaverse just posted an image. So if you go to our IDEO website, it'll, it has a countdown, so you can check there. Two days and eight hours left. K57, or wait, let's see. Kalan asks, in the event of someone getting hacked, would it be possible to update the VE Lefinity address? Um, so if you have four-year locked VE Lefinity, then you can transfer it using X Lefinity. But otherwise, it is um, stuck to your wallet. I mean, in one way, you could consider it like an anti-hack mechanism. Because <laughs> like, usually hackers just check all the tokens in your wallet and then just withdraw all them. Then they're done. But then they probably didn't check if you had VE Lefinity, did they? <laughs> so, uh that might be an upside. <laughs> K57 says, okay, thanks. So if all the tokens are sold, I will not be able to buy on secondary market. Um, I mean, we will have a Lefinity USDC pool, so you could buy there. But yeah, participating in the IDO is better bang for your buck because you get the discount if you're planning to lock your tokens. <laughs> any recommendation to avoid noise get in first like how do i make sure that i get in the queue in time i mean just be at the website at the launch time and uh yeah deposit as soon as the clock runs out reaches zero Oh, we have a request to speak. Nice. All right, Chief, I have welcomed you to the stage. What's up? You are muted, in case you are not aware. All right. Hold on. Give, give me a second. I uh, had my... I had my earphones uh, turned on, so the audio was off. All right, sorry. Go ahead, speak. Um, yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, I'm just. I just know the Solana botting. That Solana botting is pretty popular. So, um, 
I just wouldn't be surprised. Maybe the ship has already sailed, but I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of whales or sharks got in before retail, we'll say. Right. Um, so I think it's different. So like usually botting is a thing with NFT sales. And the thing with NFT sales is you want to get multiple transactions in because you're trying to buy multiple NFTs. Uh, and for that, you need multiple transactions. With us, it's it's more a matter of like how much USDC are you investing? And you can do that all in one go. So you only need one transaction. Um, so I don't think the botting would really make sense in this context. Yeah, that's, I think that's a fair point to that. Um, yeah, fair enough. It's probably, there's enough uh, value being offered where it should be absorbed in like five seconds. Thanks for your no worries. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, let's see. All right. Uh, we have some more questions in the Discord. Let's see. Where am I? Okay, Metaverse asks, please remind me the avenues for getting normal affinity. Serum pool, so actually not serum pool. The Lifinity USDC pool will be on uh, our decks. The serum pool will be for X Lifinity USDC. And uh, yeah, there's a good reason for that differentiation. Um, you can read more about it in part two, but <clears throat> and then other than that, uh, where does singular Lifinity come from? Basically, that's that's it. Um, otherwise, you can buy VE Lifinity by exchanging it for LP tokens and then unlocking your VE Lifinity so that you can get Lifinity. But that's about it. We don't do liquidity mining or um, anything like that. So, yeah, that's basically it. Um Safe says, still very new to this. So the benefit of getting in now versus, say, in a month's time, when I'll have some more capital freed up, means you get some kind of discount on pricing? Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, basically, the IDO is a way to get a discount. By locking up your tokens, you get a discount on them. <clears throat> Um, yeah, so the other way you could get a discount in the future is by buying, um, VE Lifinity using LP tokens. This is in part one of our tokenomics. And, uh, so the discount for that, it basically increases from zero to 50% for locking for four years, which is the maximum. And then locking for a shorter period will have a lower max discount. So basically, you have to wait for the discount to reach that. And it's not guaranteed that it'll reach the 50%, because if someone buys before it reaches that, then the discount will decrease. So yeah, the IDO is like your only guaranteed way to get the max discount. Um, but yeah, it's possible to get discounts on the future uh, in the future as well. It's just not um, clear how much of a discount will be possible. It could be the max, it could be lower, who knows.
it, it depends on um, how much demand there is for it. So, um, Metaverse, I'll have to repeat that question. Which question? Uh, one step ahead, I just asked which whale is hiding here? Oh, that one. <laughs> uh, I mean... Um, wait, what do you mean? This 30 million USDC target can be raised in a few minutes. You told you are egalitarian, so... Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it's possible. I don't know what you suggest. So, like, the options is basically, like, the, to put it simply, either we cap it or we don't cap it. And historically, when we've, we've seen um, raises, uncapped raises, uh, mango style, like a traditional mango style IDO, like these just get so much capital because um, retail doesn't think about valuation. They're just like, how much do I want to invest? And they don't think about how much has everyone else invested, which determines the valuation. And so the inflation, uh, the valuations get very inflated. And uh, that tends to result in decreasing price after the IDO. And so the other thing is, in our case, like we don't want more than 30 million. <laughs> so like being, if we make it uncapped, like, um, so the upside is that everyone who wants to invest is guaranteed to be able to invest. The downside is people will probably overinvest, and then we have more capital than we can effectively use. Um, so basically, we're doing a trade-off where it could be the case that not everyone who wants to invest will be able to invest. But our valuation will be reasonable, and we won't have too much capital. That is the trade-off that we are choosing. Like, you can't have it all, you know? No matter what IDEO method you choose, like, there's going to be some form of downside, and there's, there's trade-offs everywhere, so... Yeah. This is the trade-off we chose. <clears throat> Kalan says, if IDEO sells out, then the only way to get additional VE Lefinity would be to try to find Lefinity somehow and re-lock it up, right? Um, immediately after the IDEO, that is true, but later on, once we develop the program for selling VE Lefinity for LP tokens, then that is another way. You can buy VE Lefinity at a discount with LP tokens. Uh, Metaverse says, no, please don't do traditional mango token. We'll just dump right after. And yeah, historically, that's what we've seen. So yeah. One step ahead, whales can have 20 million to lose. To lose? Fix a maximum invest. I mean, so maximum investment for wallet address doesn't really work because then you can just use multiple addresses. I mean that's a that's a way to benefit botters really. Like say we like capped it at like 10k. Well then the people who can bot can uh, just create multiple addresses to invest 10k simultaneously. So yeah, it would just benefit them. Uh, Fractar says, I'm a bit late, but where can I get some info on the team? You can check out our uh, team channel. 
just linked it to you. Uh, we are anonymous, so you're not going to find a whole lot of information on us, like our names or anything like that. But yeah, there's, there's some basic info on us. see mm -hmm. okay all right well we've once again reached the end of the questions i think although one step ahead is once again typing <laughs> um no one raising their hand on twitter Uh, I trust this project. I just hope you evaluate your system more than 30 millions. I mean, uh, you know, we wish we could, like, effectively utilize more millions. Because then we could just do a Mango style. But, um, yeah, we're really limited by the total amount of volume going through Solana. And also, like, the available PIF price feeds. Stuff like that. Um, yeah, so... You know, over time, we'll be able to scale beyond 30 million, but not immediately. So... Yeah, we think it's the best way for now. Fractars is about the team. Why to get anonymous? I mean, how can I get over it to be reassured about project security? All right, so I actually explained this in elaborate detail <laughs> earlier in this AMA. So, um, and we're going to release a recording of this AMA. I don't want to talk about it again for like 10 minutes. So, yeah, I encourage you to check out the recording once we release it. Um, yeah, it's a pretty common question we get, so... All right. Is it time? Is it time to call it? Thanks for stopping in, Metaverse. Autocatalytic, Binox. All the regulars. <laughs> and all the new people. Uh, how many people do you want to recruit one step ahead? Um, I'm not sure. Um, I think Luffy has a better idea of that, <clears throat> as he'll be doing, like, leading all the, all the hiring, so, yeah. All right, we're going to call it. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll let, let the community know once we're hiring what we're looking for and stuff. Um, suggestion, add the reason why the team is Anon and team channel. Uh, yeah, maybe so. <laughs> maybe so. All right. Thanks everyone for stopping in and, uh, hanging out for this long AMA. I need to pee. <laughs> um, Fractar, we do have a roadmap. Check out, um, part six of our tokenomics 
and resources. And uh, I'll be happy to continue answering questions in the chat. Just gonna close this um, AMA down. So yeah, <laughs> thanks for stopping in everyone. Good questions, good times. I'll have another AMA before our IDO, so <clears throat> yeah. All right, until next time, guys, peace out.